Well, thank you for that, my friend. <laughs> okay, well, let me add my welcome to everybody here, wherever and whenever you are, for those of you online watching it later on. And this is part two in our series, Slow Down, Peter. Well, Sarah and Ben spoke last week, and today, as we've just heard, it's Sandy and I. And in part one last week, Sarah spoke and introduced us to the notion of journeys. Simon Peter's journey specifically, from when he was a boy until when he met Jesus. And how this can look a little bit like our journey too. Ben then expanded on this and reflected on how um, Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter. And like Peter, we too can have a new name and new purpose when we take up that offer that Jesus made, which was to come and to see. So today, we'd like to continue on this story and chat a little bit about the next invitation that Jesus gave to Peter, and that was to come and follow. Let's keep going with the story, starting back from when Jesus spoke to Peter as he was uh, fishing by the shore with his brother. So I'm going to um, read from Mark 1, 16 to 18. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Well, I don't know about you, but I thought that was a little bit impulsive. Well, that's how it reads, because he hardly knew the man, and he was prepared to leave his job, his only source of income, to go follow, follow a random rabbi, just because he asked. Well, I think there's a little bit of background that we might have missed here, so we'll dig a little bit deeper. Andrew, Peter's brother, had met Jesus before. He was introduced to him by John the Baptist. Andrew was a follower of John, and this is what John uh, said when he saw Jesus. John 1.29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Only God can remove sin from the world. John was pointing to Jesus as God's son, the Messiah. Now, Peter the fisherman was a man of limited education and was being called by Jesus to follow and be a student, an apprentice, an apprentice to the Messiah. Any old rabbi would have been a privilege enough. Only the most scholarly of Jewish boys were normally granted this opportunity. But to follow Jesus, wow. It was no wonder he just dropped everything and ran along behind him. Let me explain something about what most of the Jews thought the Messiah was. In those days, the Jews were waiting for a mighty warrior, for a king, who would lead them out of their place of oppression from under the Roman Empire, the rule of the Roman Empire. And Peter would have heard rumours about Jesus being that long-awaited as Messiah, but his expectations were a little bit off. Peter still had to learn about Jesus' mission and his true identity. One day, in a synagogue, 
Jesus made a bold statement. And this was a light bulb moment for Peter and for many of the Jews that were listening. And this is what he said. From Luke 4, 18 to 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me, Jesus, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The Jewish audience that day would have recognised this as the ancient passage from the prophet Isaiah. Jesus had just said that the time Isaiah was referring to was right now. He was revealing his true identity as the Son of God, debunking the myth of a mighty soldier who would destroy enemies by force. He was peeling back the layers of expectation that Peter and others had about who the Messiah was and what he had come to do. Now, Peter was an impetuous, impulsive bloke. He was confrontational and blunt. I can relate. Peter was not perfect, <laughs> and nor are we, but Jesus was able to use this blunt and sometimes abrasive personality in a powerful way. But first he had to teach him. Peter learned by watching and listening. He was a witness in order to be a witness. He heard Jesus preach about, uh, that he was the Messiah, and he listened to him speak about his identity authority and his mission. In Matthew 7, for example, uh, verse 28, it says that when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And I'm sure Peter was too. I can just see him sitting there in the crowd, hanging off every single word. Jesus spoke with authority on real topics, not fluffy words aimed at the Jews. His words were radical countercultural and aimed at everybody who listened, regardless of who they were. His words were timeless, evergreen. He talked about the cost of following him, about forgiveness, prayer, relating to each other. He spoke about things that mattered, like money, worry, and loving your enemies. Then he practiced what he preached loving the poor, the imprisoned, and the helpless in the community. Jesus demonstrated that Peter, Jesus demonstrated what Peter had heard so he could see how to do these things. Peter witnessed them all. And it took him a little while to grasp, but eventually he did. And this was important. Jesus was preparing him to teach and preach to others preparing him to be a witness one day. I can relate. Peter received feedback and when he did, when he did well, sorry, and also when he didn't do well. He grew as a person, as a follower of Jesus by practicing spiritual disciplines, by observing the Sabbath, praying, fasting, spending time alone and delving into the scriptures. 
Jesus also recognised his students' needs. He saw Peter's enthusiasm and encouraged him, but also provided him with a community of believers for support, to bounce ideas off, and to provide a safe training ground for practising this brand new and radical way of living. Jesus chose Peter and the disciples because of their skills, their experience, their attitudes, but most of all, their willingness to learn. He saw humble teachability in every one of them. They were drawn from diverse and varied backgrounds with a wide, wide range of skills and failings, but they were united with a powerful drive to learn and serve God. Peter needed his family. I can relate. He needed his brother, Andrew, to bring him to Jesus. He needed his mother-in-law to show him gratitude. Jesus had healed her. He bounced ideas off his mates, James and John. And then when they made a few mistakes, they would have definitely had a conversation or two about how Jesus handled it. Never in a million years would Peter have thought that he'd be hanging around with people like the disciples. Matthew was a thief, a tax collector. But from Matthew, Peter learned the most important lessons of all, what it would cost him to follow Jesus, because Matthew had much to lose. He demonstrated a changed life, one with purpose. And in this community, out of all the disciples, Matthew was perhaps the one who demonstrated best how anyone, even a thief, could gain acceptance and love in the new family of God. Jesus and his motley crew of followers were learning together, and one day they would be sent out by their teacher into the world to preach the good news about Jesus. I can relate. And I'd like to hand over to Sandy to show us how you can relate too. Got caught in the slips. Is that right? I'm not sure who was bowling. <laughs> well, come and see. If you said that to someone, what exactly would they see that was different from what they usually see? That's pretty challenging, isn't it? Peter was invited to come and see, and he realised that there was no one quite like this guy. He was curious, he was stirred, he was fascinated, and stories no doubt got around, and uh, Peter, along with many others, were left wondering. I want to say today that Jesus has never lost his appeal. Unfortunately, the bearers of Jesus have misted up and confused what Jesus and who Jesus is. So Jesus has not lost his appeal. Maybe 
people will not come and see because of who we are. I've got a bit of a story about that later. So Jesus then says, come follow, come follow. And Peter, along with multitudes, did. It wasn't just 12. There were a lot of them. He witnessed Jesus at work. Now, that little word, witness, simply means he saw and his eyes were wide open. He heard and he couldn't believe what he heard because it was not the same as what he heard from other rabbis, which was do this, do that, and then maybe this might happen. It was cultural. It was keep together. It was be the same. But Jesus' teaching was about mercy and grace and forgiveness. And he heard it. It also says by another one of his disciples that they touched Jesus. They were rubbing shoulders with him day after day, looking probably somewhere to shower or to get a bath. So they were with Jesus. They witnessed, they saw, they heard, they touched, they felt. Their hearts were amazed, along with a lot of other crowd. With the crowd. Friends, when was the last time you were totally amazed at Jesus, so amazed that you had to say, come, come, see, bubbling over. By the time Peter was invited to come follow, he was ready. Now, that initial come follow didn't mean he left everything that day and was with Jesus all the time. That happened a little bit later. It was just slowly Um, He was still a fisherman, but he followed, and he went home, and Jesus went around, and eventually he was with him for at least 18 months of the last period of Jesus' life. But he began to hang around more and more because he liked what he saw. He liked it. He joined the crowds, and later he was specifically called to come and be a disciple. That word disciple means a learner. It means someone who's willing to come there. I want us to get rid of the idea of teacher-learner, because these days a lot of teaching is Google it up and fill your head with information, okay? Jesus was not inviting Peter to get a head full of knowledge. I thought that's what being a Christian was initially. I had a head full of knowledge. I couldn't get enough about Jesus, okay? I had a relationship, but my head got in the way of my heart for a long time. More about that later. The word witness and disciple are important for us to understand. And I want us to try and use the word apprentice. Because how do apprentices learn? Hands on. You watch. You demonstrate. And you come back for correction. I remember once when Peter came back initially, the first time he went out, and uh, 
they were so excited. And Jesus just said, don't get excited too much over this. Just remember that your names are written in heaven, that you belong to God. Yeah, there's excitement, there's power, there's awe. But we come back and we get corrected and we move along. Now, one thing about Jesus, he was brilliant at this. He was the par excellent teacher. So when the crowds compared the disciples of Jesus with the disciples of John, they said, your disciples don't do this. Jesus stood up for his disciples publicly. He said something like this. It was a saying, if the bridegroom's there, you keep rejoicing. There'll be a time when the bridegroom won't. So he actually stood up for his disciples. But when they were alone, he corrected. Now, Tracy said they were different, diverse community, a motley crew. They argued. They competed. They got in the way of each other. Even to the right to the very end of the book of John, Peter's still worried about John. Is he going to be better than me? So there was, comp there was these kind of feelings, but they needed to be in community to learn together so that Jesus could address these issues together. Unfortunately today, when we don't get our own way, we usually go somewhere else in the hope that people will accept me for what I am and I can get away with being who I am. So he witnessed all of this, so that he too could witness. But get this, witnessing is not only about this, it's about having such an attractive personality about what Jesus has done in us that people say, wow, why are you different? What's happened in your life? Witness also means martyr. Did you know that? That's the Greek word, martyr. And Peter actually ended his life, martyr. It means suffering as well for Jesus. Paul wrote about that. Great to celebrate Jesus. Great to know your sins forgiven. Great to share in everything that Jesus did, as we demonstrated through our baptism. But Paul said, oh, that I might share in his sufferings as well to become more like Jesus. That's enough of that. Part of what we're trying to do in this series is teaching us what it means to journey with Jesus by embracing some of the practices that help us become more like Jesus. So we learn from the master teacher as apprentices by listening, by following, by doing what the master did, by failing, by being restored, by being corrected, but keep on practicing, keep on doing, and going where the master sends us, and doing things like that. So this is the second stage of the apprenticeship of Jesus, as Peter follows. And he had to learn to listen to Jesus rather than listening to all the others. Now, I want to invite you 
to learn to listen to Jesus. Jesus actually said, my people know my voice. Unfortunately, most of us know the voice of the preachers, the speakers, the popular songs, the sayings of the day. And we don't do what Jesus invites us to do to test it, to see if it is of God, to question it, to come and, 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 and sense it. Not with an idea of being provocative, but is this true? Is this what the Word says? And just go to the Word of God and find out what Jesus actually says. I want to invite you to learn to listen to Jesus. We'll do that in a minute. I'll show you some ways. Listen by reading the stories about Jesus and imagine that you're there. Sometimes as a crowd onlooker thinking, what on earth is going on here? Who's this man? What is happening? Why is he speaking to women? Why is he speaking to beggars and the people that we've been taught to keep away from? What is he saying? See yourself there. Identify with people in the crowd. Listen, discover what Jesus is doing, but more than that, discover what Jesus is quoting because it always goes back to all the things that were said about him and would be fulfilled in him. And so it links us with the thousands of years before and the thousands of years to come. We have to be there in the picture with Jesus. Imagine you're in the crowd. Sometimes one of the disciples, sometimes daring to ask a question, getting up close and personal. Here's my first invitation to you. This is what I'd love you to do. Read the stories about Jesus continually. All the time. Be in what we call the Gospels. My first invitation is get that little book of Mark, just 16 chapters, and find a few friends to read it with. I have discovered on my Bible app, <laughs> the version, what's it called, you version, that I can invite friends to read with me and we can write. Now, I do this with one person and we share the information. It keeps her accountable. It keeps me in communication and accountable. I just do that with one person. And we do that. Of course, I read other than that as well. But I'm inviting you to get into Jesus by reading the stories about Jesus. Gospels, the good news about Jesus. That's what the word means. And if you don't know the story of Jesus, the behavior of Jesus, the sayings of Jesus, the habits of Jesus. How can you say, come and see? Okay, get there, get into Mark. Who's willing to take that on? You willing? Willing. The book of Mark, find a friend, read it with them, okay? It's always best to read the Bible with another person and trust the Spirit to speak to you. So that's the first thing I want you to do. The next thing is to learn to be thankful. This is a practice that I am grateful for. I remember Danny Misdom spoke 10,000 years ago. <laughs> no, he spoke 
900 thank yous ago. That's what my journal says, okay? And he said, but make it a year of thanktivity. He invented that word. Anyone remember that? That was such a long time ago. I started that day and I boasted. <laughs> and I said to Daddy, I'm going to get 10,000. And he gave a reality check and said, you won't live that long. <laughs> so I said, I'll do three a day. And I worked it out. And I'm just nearly on to 900, 9,000, 9,000. Since that day, every day, I think maybe I missed two or three days. I just missed two or three days. I've been on holiday and uh, life was full. I was on a journey. I came back tired. But never mind, nearly 362, 365 days, I start every day. Now, I do three a day because I've got to get 10,000 in. <laughs> now, the first year they had to be different, okay? That's really hard. But these days, because I'm older and I forget what I've done, it doesn't have to be different. Okay. But I write them. And today I sat there and I said, I am so privileged to be warm, to have a hot shower, to have coffee, and to be able to sit here in the quiet and read. I'm grateful for the teachers who taught me to read. And you know, once I start on the roll, it doesn't take long, but I know it changes my life, starting the day with grateful. I've moved from being a grumpy, comparative, judgmental person into someone who knows what it is to be grateful, the power of being thankful. Once a day, can you do that? Another thing I learned was the power of the pause. Believe it or not, I once worked at Coates Payton's factory. Okay, for two months, that's all I could cope with. <laughs> I had finished teacher training, I'd been teaching, I'd been to Bible college, and I needed to get some money before I went and joined the Mission Society. And... Uh, I needed money quickly and I needed a job, so they had no problem putting me on here for straight away, start the next day. And I walked to work each day and I came and I was hit with a world that was totally different. I was an obnoxious, know-it-all Christian who was out to convert the world through judgment and through um, being a know-all, and through being different. Well, one of the things I found very difficult was on the hour, oh, five to, five to the hour, five minutes before the hour, nearly everyone went out for a smoko. They stopped, they paused. It might have been five minutes, but they stopped, they went out, and I was so indignant, amazed, how dare they? This is the obnoxious me, okay? The judgmental Sandy, all of 23. Trying, 22, I think. Trying to make a move in this world. And uh, I lasted two months and I was exhausted. But you know, in hindsight, I thought of the amazement of the management in allowing that. It was tedious work, it was repetitious, repeated. The word won't come out. I've been on all day. The mind doesn't work. Repetitive. And it was boring. 
and you had, and the, you worked to get more money, piecemeal, I think they called it. And I lasted two months, totally exhausted. They had the power of the pause, and they worked harder and got more done than what I ever did. That amazed me in hindsight. It also taught me about, I can't say come and see Jesus when Jesus is not in me, the condemning, judgmental person. So I regularly stop now, nearly every hour, for the power of the pause, to remember who I am and who I belong to. Sometimes it's a walk, sometimes it's a prayer, Sometimes it's a breath, breathe in, I belong to Jesus. Breathe out, I'm grateful. The power of the pause will keep you in relationship with your God and in relationship with your physicality, your body and what you can do. I invite you. I just want to give one other little story. I was not slow down, Peter. I was the impetuous, fast, work hard, fill every hour in. And at 50, sorry, 56 years of age, I crashed terribly. I had burnout. My body had suffered. I knew about Jesus. I taught about Jesus. I'd been on the mission field. I'd been everywhere. And I was exhausted and I had to come back to the foundations of life. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is the wonder of it all. Jesus is who it's about. And I'm very grateful for that rebirthing process again because it changed me. I learned to be grateful. I learned to slow down. I learned to sit with Jesus in the scriptures, those things that I'm talking to you now. And I thought my life was finished, but God breathed into me and gave me new life. But I still have to remember the pause. We're going to remember the pause right now. We're just going to have total silence. I'm going to stop talking for 30 seconds and you are going to breathe in the Spirit of God with gratefulness and breathe out with thanksgiving. Take from Jesus and give to Jesus. Thirty seconds. That's what we had. And during that time, nothing may have happened. Something may have happened. But believe me, over time, a lot happens. Remember the power of the pause. So just to recap, what I'm asking you to learn as you journey with Jesus and to live well for Jesus into your old age is to listen, read the scriptures, and be with Jesus. Do it with another person regularly. 
regularly read a gospel, okay? Every couple of months, whatever else you do, read the gospels. And add to that, be thankful. So before these people take over with our singing, I want you to yell out, talk to the person next to you, three things right now that you're grateful for. One, I'm not cold. Thank God for heating. Anyone add to it? Come on, add to it. Family. Coffee. Amen. Baptism. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, loves me and calls me beloved and takes me on a journey where I can be apprenticed to this Jesus every day of my life. Remember the power of the pause. Thank you very much.